The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. 15 minutes after Dynamite went off the air and we are here to recap the week that was in All Elite Wrestling. Mike, let's jump right into the action. Stock up, stock down. Yeah, Joel, I think the highlight of this week was Kenny Omega losing it. Uh... After the masked men of Pentagon, wait, who actually won that match? <laughs> Laredo <laughs> Kid. Okay, Laredo Kid, Pentagon, and Phoenix, the masked men, defeated the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler. And post match, Kenny Omega came out, blasted Laredo Kid with the microphone, and then just lost his shit. Uh, basically, telling the Bucks that. They need to choose. Are you with me? Are you with me? This is your last chance. Very emotional. Also very unhinged promo from Kenny Omega. Joel, what was your reactions to the champion tonight? I think this is interesting. Um, you know, we've seen that Kenny is kind of drifting apart from the Bucks or, you know, steering apart as we talked about last week that it's it's been an intentional move on the part of Don Callis to separate them uh and I, I'm curious what his end game is because if Don Callis isn't in this for himself uh or sorry if he is in this for himself and it involves weakening Kenny Omega by separating him from the Young Bucks uh, I'm not sure where he's going is he going to you know set up somebody else to be his protege to take down Omega once Omega's on his own? Um, or, you know, where are we going? So I'm, I'm curious, but they kept using the word fracture uh, on the broadcast tonight, referring to Kenny's mental state. And that was interesting. I'm curious where that's going. And, you know, are they going to continue to play into Omega spiraling and getting more and more unhinged? Uh, and what's the end game? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, it had some Mad Queen Paranora vibes to it, you know. Um, and I love the I love them referencing the history of their 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 friendship and how I really like the line. How Kenny was like, I didn't choose AW, I chose you. Um, and Joel, what's the thing you say about heels? They they tell heels, the truth. They tell the truth. And. Uh, I think this promo embodied that because if you're Kenny Omega, you can you can take this truth and and let it take over everything about you. And I felt that was a kind of a masterclass in in promo art there. So um yeah, I I think it's obvious that we're gonna have some sort of match here. Um the Moxley Kingston dynamic is interesting too with that promo they had basically telling the bucks if you're going to be involved be involved <laughs> like like step up and do something um i also like the foreshadowing of moxley saying you know i guess i owe you one i don't like owing people which to <laughs> me says i'm going to be paying that back as soon as i possibly can because i'm not just going to sit here and be in your debt and, and that's interesting to me as well where is moxley going to insert himself here and how is that going to take shape as the Bucks and Good Brothers and Omega kind of continue to interweave here? 
Yeah, I also like, too, how Kenny has multiple people gunning for him right now. He has Moxley and Kingston, which which is still unfinished business. You know, have freaking Pentagon, Phoenix, Pac, uh, I guess Laredo Kid, um, all kind of like, what the fuck, dude? So um, it Not seems to mention very... Christian Cage. Oh, Christian Cage has uh, an agenda here with, with the champion. So it seems kind of like, I don't know, when I've seen people in my life kind of go unhinged, they they tend to spawn multiple enemies at once, <laughs> you know? Um, you know, I, so I, I like that aspect of it, that the champ is in, is got a lot of people gunning for him. So leaves up like different options of where we're going. And of course we have the biggest piece of this whole chess piece at some point would be hangman page and Kenny Omega. So we have months of, I think good content that can come out of all these stories. They're weaving together right now. And Joel, you watched NJPW way more than I did. You saw Kenny more on a regular basis before, uh, AEW was a thing. How does this compare to the heel work of Kenny Omega in New Japan? So when I was watching New Japan was during the best bout machine era of Kenny Omega. So it was kind of understood that he was, you know, one of the best, if not the best. And it was the quest to get one over on Okada. So he was singularly focused and this is a totally different version of Kenny Omega while he was a heel in Japan because, you know, he was a gaijin and going after Okada, who was a massive baby face. Uh, it wasn't the same level of healdom. He wasn't coming out and cheating to win matches. He wasn't thumping people with microphones he was very much within the rules, uh, but just playing that kind of antagonist role. So this is a different version of Kenny than what I've seen before. And uh, I think it's interesting to see his acting chops on display because, mm -hmm. you know, it requires a level of acting to deliver a promo like that, to deliver those lines with conviction, to have that manic look in your eyes and, you know, take us out of the moment of we're sitting here watching a pro wrestling show on TNT and get us into the moment of, man, what's going to happen between these friends and just really tightening the focus on these characters and what they're going through. And, you know, seeing that Kenny clearly feels wronged. This is not an act to him. This is not something that... You know, he's fabricating in order to advance himself. He doesn't need to advance himself. He has the championship. So this is very personal. Whereas for the Bucks, you know, they're on the other side of it and they're aggrieved as well because they see how their friend has changed. And I think what we're seeing from Kenny right now is the art of professional wrestling. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there. And, uh, Poor Brandon Cutler. His face is like, you chose Brandon Cutler over me? Like, <laughs> Cutler's face was like, what the fuck did I do? <laughs> yeah. And then so, even as they're leaving the ring, you know, <laughs> go carry their bags. Go carry their yep. camera for them. Like, 
just completely shitting on Brandon Cutler, who, uh, for my money, is a very capable wrestler and and has really come Mm -hmm. on of late and developed into someone that I'm excited to see whenever he pops up. So, uh, well, you know, I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait for the inevitable Kenny Omega Brandon Cutler match that we should get here in the next few weeks. Like, I, I'm not even kidding. Like, I legit want to see this match now. If you're going to call out, you know, Brandon Cutler like that, come on, Cutler, step step up, challenge the champ, get yourself an eliminator match. It's very easy to get the matches you want in AEW. I think we've learned that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got a date with Brian Cage first if uh, the promos that I've been seeing on Twitter are any, uh, any uh, indication. Brandon Cutler, that is. So I was gonna say, we'll like see that. if he survives that. <laughs> Probably not. Well, Joel, anything else you want to say about this? I, I mean, we could we can touch on the match Kenny had with Seidel in lightning round, but anything more about this promo, the Bucks and the fracture of the elite? No, I mean, this is the compelling content that I am interested in from an outside the ring perspective, you know. I love matches. I enjoy the action of professional wrestling, but these stories are what keep you coming back from week to week. So uh, more of this, more of this caliber material, and uh, I'll be a happy fan. Yeah, man. And, and we want drama, dude. Like wrestling's a soap opera. Like, come on, give me some good juicy stuff. And this is definitely it. Well, Joel, we talked about one awesome promo tonight. I feel like, in normal weeks, Kenny would reign supreme as promo of the night, but I think Britt Baker has a little something to say about that. Absolutely. This is our, our mandatory talk about Britt Baker segment. I feel like it's something <laughs> we have to do. And I feel like we've been I- we've been talking about Britt Baker since what uh January of last year. I mean, it's it's been a long time coming and her ascendance is in full force. Uh, this was an excellent, excellent promo. Yeah, this was really good. This is uh, this was an example of how to get your heat back after you lose a blow-off match. We always talk about, did it, does, is this wrestler going to lose momentum? Are they going to lose their spot? Well, I think Britt made perfectly clear she's she's still the best. She still is worth being at the top of the card. And I thought this promo was excellent. I thought the the jab at Mick Foley was, was great. Um, you know, it took you 20 years to be a hardcore legend. I did it in one night. Um, my favorite line was, and I'm just delaying to try and find it. Do, 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 do. God, I tweeted a lot tonight. Follow us on Twitter, guys. I, I did the whole live tweeting thing tonight. But I really, okay, I found it. I like the line. You got to be a part of the history I wrote with my own blood. What a freaking line here from Britt Baker. That was a good line. And I also really liked uh, with blood streaming down my face and into my eyes. I've never seen more clearly like Mm -hmm. some serious evocative shit here. (laughs) Really, really good stuff. I think once again, Britt's just she's the total package right now. And the women's divisions in good shape. And I just, I love, I love what we saw with the match last week. I watched it again, by the way, what, (laughs) what a spectacle. And for her to follow that up like this, there's really, I don't think any limit to her potential. 
I think an underrated aspect of this promo as well is sometimes after simply being in a match like that, and especially if you are the heel losing to the baby face, you kind of lose some of your heel cred because you get some sympathy from the the audience. And as the heel, you don't really want sympathy from the viewers coming out and shitting on legends and saying, you know, Tony, you don't need to sign anyone else. You've got the real deal right here, right under your nose. You know, that's really getting that heel cred back and setting her up for whatever comes next. If it's a continuing feud with Thunder Rosa or if they both move on to other people. So, you know, I think it really resets the board there and, and you know, makes you want to boo her again. So uh, really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Um, kind of a quick stock up, stock down, Joel. Do you have anything else to to add here? Do you just want to jump right into lightning round? I think it was a very lightning round friendly episode of Dynamite. So I think we got a lot of topics mm-hmm. to hit on. All right, here's the drop. Lightning round. I'll let you so, go first, buddy. Yeah, let's you mentioned it before, and I, I really want to talk about this opening match between Kenny and Matt Seidel. And I want to ask you a question here, which is, do you think this was a missed opportunity to elevate Matt Seidel by having him get the win in a non-title match that Kenny didn't seem to be taking all that seriously? Oh, yeah, I, I thought that was definitely... Of all the Eliminator or Brush of Greatness matches we've seen, I thought this was the one that had the best chance to, to uh, for the the non the, for that for the challenger to get the win. Um, Kenny's got a lot on his plate right now. You know, he was on Impact last night. He's going to be facing Rich Swan in a title versus title match at was it Impact? I don't know Impact pay per views. Their next big event. Uh, he has this stuff with the Bucks on his mind. He has Moxley on his mind. So. It seems like, yeah, you could have tapped into the distraction here. I also thought a creative way to do it would have just had Moxley and Kingston come out and attack Seidel and get Seidel the DQ win. It doesn't say you have to get a pinfall or submission. That's just need true. to win. So I thought there's ways that they could have done this to to continue the, the Omega story while elevating Seidel. I think the match itself elevated Seidel because, dude, he looked like he belonged with Kenny. Absolutely. He went toe-to-toe with every strike, every counter, every move from these guys was crisp, clean, and perfect. This was a great, a great match. And Matt Sadel, you know, just came out looking like a million bucks. So, yes, it would have been cool if we could have had a title match to look forward to, give someone else gunning for the champ. But, you know, I think it did exactly what it needed to do. Of course, I'm, we're always fantasy booking in our heads. So, <laughs> Absolutely. I, I felt like this would have been a great chance to uh, have one of my favorite things in pro wrestling, which is the non-title loss by the champion in an unexpected match. So, uh, oh, well, yeah, we it, didn't it, get it. And, and the thing <laughs> is, because it was an eliminator match, you know, Kenny could have come back, taken the actual championship match seriously, and dispatch Seidel, you know, in convincing fashion, which would have allowed him to kind of get his heat back, uh, but still give Seidel that marquee win, which is something I feel like he does not have yet on Dynamite. 
We haven't seen him get a marquee win. He's clearly demonstrated like through his work rate in this match. He's a main event guy, uh, somebody who can go out there with anybody and have a great match. Uh, but I just I wanted to see him get the win here. Yeah, I do think that we'll see someone win one of these eliminator matches here at some point and we'll get that kind of shocking moment. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely a trope that the other wrestling company does way more having the champion lose sets up a title match. So I like that they haven't pulled the trigger yet, but when they do, it's, it's going to hit. So, um, Joel, I want to talk about lightning round, our main event, <laughs> John silver in the main event. This match was fun. I, I, what I really liked about this match is because of how strong silver is. He got to wrestle as the big man. <laughs> yeah it's kind of wild he's like five foot nothing and yeah five foot nothing darby allen's probably 100 pounds soaking wet and he was just flinging darby across the ring and of course darby sold the hell out of it um i, w- I wanted a title change i didn't wasn't expecting it and uh no the great great work from these guys here and just good on john silver for earning this spot getting the trust of the bookers and uh yeah join doc order yeah really love this match and uh i like i loved the dark orders interaction backstage and the continuation of them not really getting along with alan angels and <laughs> just it was hilarious you know they're all doing the trust falls and catching each other and then alan angels goes up and nobody catches him and it just I knew it was coming and I still laughed and I I just really enjoy this kind of lighter turn from the Dark Order. It's like mm-hmm. we're no longer the creepy perverts. We're no longer the pyramid scheme, the cult we're, you know, we've now become a family and, you know, we we fight like a family and we have each other's backs like a family. And I, I just really enjoy this dynamic that they've struck. So, uh Love this stuff. And the, the match was fantastic. <laughs> Did you notice Angels was the one who also ate the uh, the suicide dive from yeah. Darby? <laughs> oh, yeah. That nothing gets past him. The attention to detail, as we've discussed. Like, <laughs> That's so it's funny. Always, always the little boxes are checked to make sure that stuff like that happens. What else you got? And then, uh, well, I was going to talk a little bit about the post-match here where it just turned into a giant brawl with Matt Hardy pointing i guess his clients at the dark order is this in a direct response to the hangman page feud seems, i think so seems seems like it and i like how aw can they don't necessarily have to say this is the feud now like they just kind of weave their stories together like maybe hangman page isn't a part of this story with a dark order versus matt hardy's crew maybe this just becomes its own thing so um, I thought that was I thought that was interesting, but I wanted to talk about take Ty Conti and Nyla Rose. This was also another very good match, and I I like that they kept referencing the Eliminator Tournament match between Nyla and Conti. And honestly, it's just they talked about how she's only been in the company for a year. Uh, what growth! <laughs> yeah. um, she was not this good in the ring last year. She was in the, um, was she in the May Young, one of the May Youngs? Yeah, she may have been in both of them. Um, I, I know she was in the second one for sure. 
and she was in NXT, someone who I was pretty high on, actually, Mm -hmm. um, but never really got much of an opportunity. You know how NXT would have those wrestlers that you would face off with before you got involved in a big title feud? It's like, you know, you've, you've been on the show doing squash matches and then you face off with Raul Mendoza before you go after the North American title. Or, you know, Ty Conti was that on the women's side. She was that person that would kind of give you that legitimizing match before you start your real feud um, in in NXT. And, you know, that was because she was a capable hand, but she is much more than a capable hand now. So Mm -hmm. uh, I, I really enjoyed this match. And I thought that all of her offense was very hard hitting and... Now, if you listen back through some of our older episodes, we talked about how because she has a legit martial arts background, oftentimes what you'll see from those competitors as they transition to pro wrestling is they pull their punches and kicks because they're trying not to hurt people because they're actually capable of hurting people. (laughs) And it takes a while to find the speed. And, you know, you can look at other professional wrestlers who have made similar transitions And once they get it figured out, uh, then their offense starts to look so much more convincing. And I think we've seen Ty Conti break through that plateau. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And her DDT, 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 either way, DDT, uh, man, Nyla took that like a champ. That looked awesome. (laughs) Like, what a devastating DDT. And the post-match stuff was fun. I like the bunny being involved in a, in this mini story that they're going to show. And, uh, well, that's big stock up. Oh, keep. Yeah. And that's also while you're bringing up the bunny, that's also a part of this, uh, Matt Hardy and Adam page Mm -hmm. business, because the only reason they're out there is because of Ty Conti's tangential connection to the dark order, which is growing less and less tangential all the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's still Matt Hardy trying to get vengeance on uh, Adam page by targeting anyone affiliated with the dark order. Yeah. And, and they didn't have to beat it over our heads with a hammer either. Like, like they didn't have to, you didn't have to hear Matt Hardy say, <laughs> Paige, I'm coming for your family, your friends, everyone you love. Like, just did it. <laughs> Subtlety. Subtlety is underrated. Yeah, yeah very. Uh, one last thing about this women's segment, Joel. Uh, stock up to women champions in street clothes. Sheeta looked like a badass <laughs> uh, post-match with her street clothes. It, it's something we've talked about, like how Charlotte always looks 10 times more badass when she's just in street clothes. I think that I think that goes for Sheeta too. Yeah, agreed. Got something for me in lightning around here? Yeah, uh, I wanted to talk about Christian Cage having an interaction with Maybe. his old buddy, Frankie Kazarian. And uh, these two had an excellent match back in 2007 in Impact. And uh, I imagine you can probably find that on the interwebs for free. Um, but it's going to be cool to see these two run it back. And I feel like uh, Kazarian is worlds better now than he was then. And he was a very good wrestler then. But, I mean, Kaz is in the best shape of his life. 
So I'm really excited to see this match. And I'm glad that we're going to get to see Christian in the ring. You know, it's it's always a big deal when that, you know, huge name talent comes in and they have their first real match in the new company. So looking forward to this one next week. Yeah, I, you know me, Cage, uh, Christian Cage, love it, need more of it. Finally, you can't have a shirt that says outwork everyone and not actually work in the ring. Um, so yeah, get in the ring. I think I think Kazarian's a good person to start with, a veteran, uh, you know, can kind of ease Christian back into a, a more full-time schedule. You know, it, all reports are that Christian wants to do a full-time thing here, so... I expect to see him in the ring way more often than we see like a sting uh, way more often than we see any WWE part timer. Like my expectation is Christian to be a full time AEW talent. So let's get in the ring. They also Kaz had my favorite line of the night, not spoken by Britt Baker, which was, <laughs> are you busy on Monday nights? You're not busy on Monday nights. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, it was good. It was, it was really good. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, I, you threw me off there for a second. I'm trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about. Um, this kind of cutesy Marshall turn. I, it was weird that it transitioned to being about Cody when all the stuff he's done prior is, I guess it, it's, you know, it was, Dustin at first, then he he didn't help Shoddy Lee. So maybe it is more of a nightmare family issue instead of just a, a partner issue. But I don't know. This whole thing felt a little weird. I am ready for this QT heel turn. I just don't know what their uh how's it how's it how's it gonna turn out? What'd you think of this, Joel? I mean, it's I think it's it's too early to tell. You know, if this ends up being a really cool angle that develops out of this exhibition match and we get a crazy blood feud between QT Marshall and Cody, you know, we could be looking back at this as the, you know, the first indication of where this storyline was really going with QT acting out. Uh, Or if this ends up being, you know, a one off and it's kind of over with and fizzles out then it you know kind of feels like wasted airtime so i think this is kind of a wait and see for me i didn't love this segment um but you know got some decent stuff from from cody on the mic and uh qt although i felt like his segment his kind of promo segment went on a little bit too long i do think it was overall pretty good yeah i if if it results in nothing then it's just kind of like the the inner circle tag team thingy they did where they kind of got their frustrations out and then just nothing really changed. Um, so I hope they don't make that mistake again, because if you're going to do this type of story, then it, it really needs to disrupt things. It needs to disrupt the status quo. So, um, yeah, uh, wait and see, wait and see. I, the problem is, is when, when Cody and MJF broke up, when MJF, turned his back on Cody. He had the promo chops to back it up. And I just, I don't know if QT has that in him to kind of build that type of emotional program. 
Also, I uh, just have to bring this up because this felt a little strange. And maybe this would be my, my random observation of the week if we were doing that. Um, QT mentioned, you know, being married to his eighth grade sweetheart. A little bit of a continuity issue here. <laughs> QT, what the hell were you doing with Allie if you've been married to this person that you've known since the eighth grade? Like... Are we supposed to believe that you just married your eighth grade sweetheart after Allie kicked you to the curb and took all your money? Like, I feel like there probably are some marital problems going on there uh, from a kayfabe perspective, if uh, if that's the case. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And he probably ruined her credit. Well, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully Mrs. QT Marshall was smart enough to... uh, keep those bank accounts separate, you know, maybe QT got his money stolen, but, uh, Mrs. QT's successful career, uh, wasn't impacted by the bunny. So I guess we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, I, one thing, and I think I'm pretty much done next week's card is going to be pretty sweet. <laughs> uh, we have, uh, Omega and the Good Brothers versus uh, Laredo Kid, Penta Phoenix. We have Christian making his AEW debut. Um, we have Sheeta and Ty Conti versus Nyla Rose and the Bunny. Uh, we have, I know I'm forgetting. So, oh, we have the Arc. What was it? Arcade Anarchy. Oh yeah, or between Miro and Kip Sabian and Best Friends. I really wanted this to be like a uh, a cinematic match and like a Dave and Buster's, but it sounds like they're just going to have arcade machines around the ring, which is still cool. But like my vision of Kip Sabian eating it in the laser tag arena, <laughs> I just can't get that out of my head. So I think either way, I'm gonna just going to be not like disappointed in the work rate. I'm just going to just be a little disappointed in general. I, you know, if somebody pulls an N64 out from underneath the ring and blasts somebody else in the face with it, I will be perfectly happy with this match. Yo, man, let's, let's not just have wait? arcade cabinets. Let's have some, you know, actual like hardware around the ring from from various consoles, you know, like let's have Kip beating somebody down with a Game Boy Color, you know, go all out. <laughs> I mean, why don't we just go obscure gaming consoles? Why don't we go with like a, oh man, like a, what's that? What's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like not the original Atari, but like the Atari 7300. Or um, the Jaguar from the 90s. Atari's coming ooh. back. It's coming back. <laughs> it's not coming back. Or what was that like 3D Mario game that would make, make people puke? Oh, the Virtual Boy. Virtual Boy, Yes. Yes, if Miro does not eat a virtual boy, I'm gonna be quite upset. Well, I, I hope no virtual boys will be harmed in in the filming of that match because they're kind of rare at this point. I mean, everything we just said is pretty rare. <laughs> yeah, but I don't give a damn about an Atari Jaguar. So that is true. That is true. That is true. Uh, well, Joel, right, I... some late breaking news, real quick. John Silver legit dislocated his shoulder in that main event. Oh, damn. Yeah, he took the mic afterwards and kind of did like that, you know, hey, congratulations. And then, uh, <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Uh, 
Darby said to him, I don't think anybody here knows, but I'm pretty sure he dislocated your shoulder about halfway through that match. But goddamn, did you put everything into it? And I'm down to do it again anytime. Thank you. <laughs> wow. That Oof. is wild. Yeah, tough son of a bitch there, uh, Silver. Good for you. Sorry, I, I interrupt you. What were you going to say? Well, actually, I have a couple, a couple of other things um, to talk about in lightning round. Since you said you were done, I'll hit them quickly. Uh, it's mandatory if Adam Page makes an appearance that I talk about Adam Page. Um, really enjoyed his match with uh, Cesar Bononi. And I wanted to point out that uh, Cesar Bononi looks like every cartoon strongman I've ever seen. Like he should be coming out with a fake giant uh, barbell, and uh, oh, he needs a know. singlet. He needs like a leopard leopard print singlet. Yeah, yeah, just the the whole thing, and grow out that mustache. Like, let's let's make it happen. Uh, so oh, man, that. we need to get the vaude villains in uh, AEW. <laughs> he can be their strong man with their 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 gimmick. Uh, and then totally the works. other thing I wanted to talk about uh, was the Jade Cargill vignette. I thought this was really good and uh, did a great job of highlighting the feud between her and Red Velvet, which is ongoing, and pointed out smartly that both of them are undefeated in singles matches. So uh, they're going to have to at some point collide and put those records on the line. So. Uh, I thought it was great because like, look how much is going on in the women's division. We had three Mm -hmm. distinct storylines happening on tonight's episode and none of them really directly involved the title. Obviously Sheeta being involved in the Ty and Nyla situation brings the title into it, but that match was not about the title and the post-match stuff was not about the title. So uh, more continuation of that emphasis. And, uh, you know, the the women's division is in a much healthier place than it was a year ago at this time. And hopefully that trend continues upwards. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we've talked about the, the state of the women's division so much, but yeah, it's in a much better place now. They're getting us stories that we actually learn about the characters, get invested in the characters. And like you said last week, it's not about a title. It's not about a man. (laughs) It's about other things. So keep it going. Keep it coming. Got anything else, Joel? Okay. Since this is a shorter episode, let's actually have a random observation of the week. Oh, he did it when I didn't even, I don't have the drop. Well, whose fault (sighs) is that? You said you would tell me from, and also Zencaster, I have to upload my freaking drops every time. Joel's random observation of the week. This is totally not going to be worth all that rigmarole. Uh, but I noticed I was this just evening. Distra- I was just the doing, I was just uh, buying time until I could upload <laughs> the drop. <laughs> I really I wasn't no- mad. <laughs> I, I noticed this evening that uh, Sean Spears Mohawk, in addition to being a Mohawk, is also a mullet. Ugh. Yeah, that's Thumbs all. Down. That's it. I mean, you know, you, you look at it and, and from the front, it's a Mohawk. And then you see the back and you're like, wait a second. That's that's not part of the Mohawk. That's a mullet going down the back. Now, it, it looks a little different. Cause it's not like full out, but 
but I'm pretty sure uh, if we were to get the the top scientists on the case, they would come to the conclusion by using the scientific method that that is in fact a Mohawk mullet. Well, Joel, the Mohawk mullet is the most interesting thing the Pinnacle did this week. So, ouch. There's that. Not very impressed so far, Joel. Not very impressed. Well, that's all I got, folks. Well, guys, uh, thanks for joining us. Follow us on Twitter at the other wrestling show, OWS underscore pod, Joel at the other Joel, me at Michael underscore Aranda. Subscribe and like us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, all those places. You can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com. And Joel, I got one last thing. Why does every wrestling uh, reality show have to have some goddamn stupid pun in it? Like, really? Roads to the top? I mean, isn't I'm that all kind for of the concept- reality shows in general? Yeah, I, like- okay, reality shows in general. Like, you could, like, you could come, Roads to the top? I'm going to watch it because I, like, what else am I going to do? Uh, you can watch like, AEW Dark instead, you know, actual wrestling. No, 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 no. Joel, here's what we do. You watch the Dark. I'll watch the reality trash TV, okay? This seems like the only thing that could have happened. Like Thanos, it was inevitable. <laughs> All right, guys. Joel, any last words before I go to sleep and try to go to the gym in the morning? Join the Dark Order. Join the Dark Order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.